Let's bow for a word of prayer. As we have been singing this morning, I couldn't help but think that seed is being scattered. And as we open up God's word now, we're going to scatter more seed. And as we were just singing, speak, O Lord, in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you ask God as seed is scattered that you would have eyes that see and ears that hear? O oh Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, through this last week, no doubt there have been times when we have trusted you, where we have leaned on your promises, where we have proclaimed your greatness, but also no doubt there are times when our hearts were full of pride and we envied and lusted we procrastinated, we were lazy, we took glory for ourselves. But as we've been singing this morning, Lord, about your greatness, I trust that our mouths are stopped and we are open to receive. And we truly do want to cry out to you, speak, O Lord, speak, O Lord. So we pray this morning as, as we do open up your word again that we would hear your voice and that you would move in our midst, and that you would help us to continue to concede to you those places of our hearts that we might continue to desperately hold on to. Lord, would you, in your mercy, grab more territory from each one of us today so that we can know the life that only comes from walking with you. So Lord, help us so that we can know the joy that only comes from walking with you. So Lord, grab that territory this morning. Break through anything that chokes. Break through anything that distracts. Break through any hardening of our hearts for our good and for your glory. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if we would open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, that's where we're going to be this morning. And we're going to be in verses 21 through 25. And I've entitled the message, I think you can see it, The Soils Revisited. Because I think that what's going on in the two parables we're going to look at today are a continuation of obviously what we've been looking at already in the book of Mark. Last week it was the parable of the seed, the soils, the sower. And we saw there that without the word of God abiding in and taking root in our heart, we cannot bear fruit. We cannot be disciples. And there's lots of different kinds of soil. And perhaps even throughout the week, we've demonstrated different kinds of soil, even in our own lives. And what's interesting about this parable, it, it, it only explains what makes soil bad. 
doesn't really talk that much about what makes soil good. It just talks about good soil then brings forth fruit in life. And I know that at La Mirada, and I'm certain here that there was a focus on really what good soil is, is a heart that listens intently, really takes in and hears what God is communicating. The focus on listen in this chapter is so clear. Look at chapter four, verse three. Listen, listen. In verse nine, we also see there, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I might even add verse 13 there because of what Jesus is saying. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, what he's saying is you've got to listen up. You aren't getting this. You've got to listen. You've got to get this. And now in our passage today, we see it again in verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in verse 24 as well, pay attention to what you hear. And so listening is really important. And if we're not careful, the songs that we sing, the opening up God's word, it can all become background noise to us. Been there, done that, heard that before. Oh yeah, this parable, got it, got it down. And what we need to realize is there's a depth to God's word that we're continually seeking to bring in. We're, we're trying to listen as clearly as we can to what he's saying. So in light of the parable of the soils that you looked at last week, I just want to ask a question. Think about this past week since hearing that particular sermon. How have you listened in this past week? Maybe for some of you, not only did you not listen, you didn't even open up your Bibles. Maybe it's been one of those weeks where you did church, then you left and Wow, it's just been a blur until then, and now you're back and you got your Bible open again. Maybe you haven't listened at all. Or maybe you have listened, and God did incredible work in your heart. He, he moved, and there was repentance, or there was activity on your part moving toward others. Well, you really did hear. You, you did listen. Well, I think our passage this morning is going to help us a little bit more. In our listening. What we're going to find, in, I think, in these two parables is we're going to see an appeal, uh, we're going to see a promise, and we're going to see a warning um, to seed being scattered and to those who are receiving this word. So we've got two parables here in these verses. Let me read them for us. Verses 21 to 25. And he said to them, It's a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has more, who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So the Lord is scattering more seed here. In the first few verses, 21 to 23, we have the parable of the lamp. And what the Lord is asking here is a rhetorical question. He's not waiting for anyone to answer. As a teacher, I open up oftentimes my classes with a question. I want students to answer me. It's not just a rhetorical question. Now, oftentimes they just don't answer, but Jesus is not looking for an answer here. In fact, in the way that he asks the question, just embedded in the Greek language, 
it expects a certain response. There's actually two parts of this question, one that expects a positive response and one that expects a negative response to what he's asking. So in the first part of verse 21a, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, do you cover a lamp to hide its light? Is, is that what you do with the lamp? Do you cover the lamp to hide its light? And the way it's constructed in the Greek, the obvious answer is no. You don't do that. So he's not waiting for an answer. He's asking it in such a way everyone goes, no, nah, of course you don't. And then the second part of the question is found in that last little bit of the verse and not on a stand. So Instead of under, you put it on. Don't, don't you bring in the light to put it on that stand? And again, that Greek construction is such that a yes answer is expected. Well, of course you do. In other words, you don't put a light under. You put a light on so that the light can shine. That, that's what Jesus is saying. It's very simple, right? In another context, in Luke chapter 11, in verse 33, Jesus pulls all of this together. Notice what he says there. Luke chapter 11, verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. In other words, this is one of those no one does this constructions that we saw earlier in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus was referring to the wineskins and where in verse 21, he says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. You just don't do this. No one um, also sews this, puts the new wine into an old wineskin. You just don't do that. And that's what Jesus is saying in 1133 of Luke. You don't put light into a cellar or under anything. You put it on a table. So the simple point that Jesus is making here is that light is intended to break into darkness so that people can see. If you're in a dark room, you bring a lamp in it so that you can see. You don't put it under anything. You put it on so that you can see. I think I shared once before about when I was in college, back in Birmingham, Alabama, I drove by this spot even recently when we were there. I found an abandoned coal mine. And we loved to take students down into this coal mine and we could explore. There were all these passageways and we found an old miner's boot and cap. I mean, it was just... I mean, college boys having the time of their life just up and down. Well, one time we took a group down there and our flashlight batteries began to go dead and we were lost. We, we could not find our way out of that. Now, when we were in that total darkness, and I don't know how many of you have ever been in just total darkness, it is frightening. And when you're underground and you're lost, it's really, really bad. If someone were to bring a light into the room, we would not say, oh, blow that out or cover that up. <laughs> we would say, light, light. Now, eventually we got out of the coal mine. That's another story. But the point being made here is that darkness, we desired light. That's the purpose of light is to break in. But Mark is actually making a deeper point in this particular passage. Jesus is using this everyday reality of what you do with light to get at a deeper issue of what people are doing with the light of his presence. You follow me on this? And so this is not just about light. It's not about just about a lamp. 
This is about the fact that the light of the nations is actually in this dark world and what are good people going to do with this? So this all follows the seed being scattered, which is ultimately the message of Jesus. So what are we going to do with this seed that's being scattered? We're gonna be, what are we going to do with this light that is manifesting itself? Now, I want to make three points about the light or the lamp that are, I think are really important for us to get here to really get at what Mark is saying. There are many or there are other places in the Gospels where we see a similar analogy being made about a lamp and its light, like I already read in Luke 11. That's another example of this particular analogy being used. Now, what is interesting, I'm going to just talk about Greek just a little bit and the translation in your Bible because I think it's really, really important. In other uses of this kind of analogy, lamp is the object. Lamp is, is the object. It's not the subject, it's the object. But here, Mark strategically makes lamp the subject of the sentence. Very, very interesting. In other words, if, if I could just have talked to the English Standard Bible translators, I, I would have loved to have been in the room to see how they translated this. But what, the way I would translate this is more along the lines of, does the lamp come? Okay, does the lamp come? And so here we are in verse 21. Does the lamp come in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? And I think the reason it's important for us, and you might even want to write that in the margin of your Bible, does the lamp come? The reason I think that's important because Jesus is making a huge point here. He's using this everyday analogy, but now he's giving it a theological point that is supposed to have an impact. And this, these are the kind of statements that Jesus is making that are either drawing people in or they are rejecting him and they're going to eventually put him on the cross. Does the lamp come? Oftentimes, lamp is used as a metaphor. So in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, 29, we see, you are my lamp, O Lord, referring to the light of who God is. We can also see in 2 Kings 8:19 a reference to the Messiah which is it is said since he promised to give a lamp to him being Judah. In other words, the the light of Judah is not going to go out the way that God is going to use them. Why? He's promised to give a lamp to them and that's this future day when Messiah is going to come. So again, very much a metaphor for Messiah. And then we also see it's also a metaphor for the Torah, Psalm 119, 105. Probably many of us know this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So even a metaphor for the Torah. So God, Messiah, the Torah, and that's what's going on here as well. Does the lamp, in other words, does Jesus come and his message is hidden it's under, no, you put this out there, the, ski, the seed is being scattered for all to see. And it's bringing to light, the message of Jesus is penetrating, it's moving through the world. And he's not going to be done when, when he goes to the cross and dies and is buried and rises again the third day and goes and seats at the right hand of the Father. That message is going to continue on in the early church, it's going to continue to go to the nations. So does the lamp come? Mark also uses the definite article. Does the lamp, not just any old lamp, but does the lamp? Again, making it very clear, a reference to Jesus. 
In John chapter one, we see very clearly in verse five, the light has come and it shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is here and the battle has been won. The darkness will not overcome this light who has come. In other times in John where Jesus says very clearly, I'm the light of the world. This is who I am. Mark also uses the word coming. Does the lamp come? to describe this lamp. And it's so interesting the way he uses this in reference to Jesus throughout his gospel. Even in the early part of his gospel, remember right from the beginning, chapter one, verse seven, and he preached saying, this is talking about John the Baptist, after me comes he who is mightier. This one who is coming. This is the promise of the Old Testament. The one that all the promises of the Old Testament have been looking forward to. This one who's coming, Jesus, he is coming. And Jesus now stands before the people and he says, does the lamp come to be hidden? No. The lamp comes to be put on a table, right? So its light can penetrate that darkness. There's a deeper point that Mark is making here, that Jesus is making. The focus of this parable is on revelation. It's the revealing. Again, let's try to connect it to the parable of the sower, the seeds. The seed is being scattered. The revelation, Jesus has come. Jesus is bringing the kingdom into the darkness of the world and he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's going to bring to life. He's going to give sight to the blind. This kingdom of light that's moving forward. It's being manifest to all. This is true life. This is what it's all about. And so you don't, God's purpose is not to cover that light and keep it hidden. It's out there, it's shining for all to see. The Messiah is here. And all of these signs are constantly pointing. It's amazing how you see in the Old Testament, the way God shows up and reveals light and people reject it. And so the plagues in Egypt, God is manifesting his glory. And what do the Egyptians say? Get out of here. The ark is brought in before the Philistines and Dagon, their God, falls down faced first. They pick him back up. Next night, they go to bed. They wake up the next morning. He's fall face down again. Limbs are cut off. And what do they say? Get out of here. And now God comes in Jesus, manifesting himself in the presence of people, healing people. And what are people saying? Get out of here. We're going to see that even in the weeks ahead when Jesus casts the, the legion into the swine. They run off the hill and people say, get out of here. Instead of receiving that light, this is about revelation. Are they receiving? The seed is being scattered and it's falling on all different kinds of soil. And so there's an appeal here, an appeal to the people as they consider this being the seed that's being scattered, that they will receive. This is revelation that is to be received. I just can't help but read through the John 1. I mean, listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the one. He's here. The promise of the ages. And he has revealed himself for, to us. And we can get distracted by so many things. This message can shine light into darkness and get choked out. And so there's an appeal that's being given here, an earnest appeal. So in light of the parable of the soils, this appeal is being issued to all. Look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Don't let this get away from you. This is your opportunity. The message is being given. In other words, all eyes on God in the work that he's doing in this world. Get all eyes on him. That's what is at stake here. Once after I preached a sermon, someone came up to me and said, nice speech. <laughs> now, I knew what the person was saying, and, and I was, you know, was grateful for, thank you very much, you know, I, I appreciate that. But God's word and the proclamation of it is not a speech to be critiqued. When we open up God's word, it's, we, we don't evaluate on a scale of one to 10, was that good? Well, I like that illustration. Those three points were really good, really nailed the text. It's not a speech. It's seed being scattered. Do you follow the point here? It's seed being scattered. And that seed is to be received. It is the land on the good soil of our hearts. Whether scale of one to 10, no matter where a sermon might fit there, it is to be received. It's revelation. And so we've got to do everything we can when seed is being scattered to receive that word. When his word is proclaimed, it is to be received as a treasure that it is. Okay, it's been delivered in, you know, clay vessels. But God is at work. He's revealing. The, the warning of James 1 is so important for us. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't be like one who looks in a mirror. And then walks away and is unmoved by that whatsoever. We are too, when we are confronted with God's word, to receive it in such a way that it becomes a part of our life. We are to receive it in such a way that there's something transforming about it. And so the, the, the appeal here is, if you have ears, hear. Listen up. This is really important. The message can be rejected. And that's where we get from the parable of the soils. There's a lot of different responses that can be there. And so we're faced with the question, what is the soil of our heart? See why this is the soils revisited? What is the soil of our heart? What are we doing with this revelation that is out there? Are we receiving the light that God is manifesting continuously in his word and in the body of Christ? Are we being changed by that? Is something happening in our lives? And then that leads us to the second parable in our passage, the parable of the measure. And notice how it begins. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you hear. 
And in this parable, we're going to have both a promise and a warning. So in the parable of the lamp, this is an appeal. Hey, seeds being scattered, the light is there. Pay attention to what you hear. Now we're going to have a promise and a warning. And this parable is going to exhort the readers to take care how they listen to this revelation. But now it's going to take it a step further and how they respond to that revelation, how they respond to it. The truth is being proclaimed. One must be careful about listening, but also one must Respond. The one who snubs the word of God, who turns away from it, who doesn't hear it, has everything to lose. The one who hears the word of God and it clings to it, it's brought down into their heart and risks faith to live in light of it, has everything to gain. So now we're going to talk about the response to this revelation. The focus is on response the parable of the measure that we see right here, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God is the one who is revealing. The light has come. And he will be the one who measures. And so we, we have a, an economic phrase that we use oftentimes. The poor get poorer and the rich get Richer. Well, there actually has a spiritual application to that. And that's what this passage is bringing out right here. Those who do not listen well lose everything they might have gained. As they become mired deeper and deeper in the indifference, just being unmoved by God's word, looking at the mirror, but then walking away, hearing the word, but not doing, they begin to lose and I think that's represented by the first three soils. They're, they're going to lose. It's going to be on hardened ground. It's going to be on the rocky ground, thorny ground. It gets choked, gets lost. And even what they have will be taken away, I think, is the warning there. Those who do listen well, and I think that's represented by that last soil, will receive increased understanding of God's purposes and the life that is found on him alone. That's the promise. That's the promise. So the point, we are to pay attention and listen well, which will lead to an abundant life now, even eternal life to come because we grab under the riches of God's grace in Jesus. To not pay attention will lead to an impoverished life, even eternal death to come. When, when, I, when I think of those words, impoverished life, I, I wonder about the church as a whole, how much we see going on in, in, in the lives of Christians. I think oftentimes Christians would say that they are living an impoverished life. And I wonder if that's why this is a warning to us. I think at, at places like Grace, we would do well to listen to this because I do believe week after week, seed is being scattered. Revelation is being given. God's word is being proclaimed. And there's a danger to that. If we don't listen, we've got to listen well is what Jesus is saying. There's been a revelation. What is our response to that? So what I want to do is now take us back and, and think big picture. Parable of the seed, the soils. Parable of the lamp. Parable of the measure. The revelation has come in Jesus. 
And now one's response to this means everything. And so we are left with the question again, what are we doing with God's word? What are we doing with the full revelation that we have, God has spoken? We are being forced at this point in time, I think, in again, in light of the soil, the parable of the soil, we're revisiting that. What is the soil of our heart? What is the condition of our heart? And so each of the responses back in the parable of the soil could be in the room right now, the beaten path listener. Okay, the beaten path listener. Those who reject the message without even maybe hearing it. Just, just reject it. You hear, but Satan steals it. There's no response, no fruit in one ear, out the other. We could also have the rocky ground listener. Again, revelation is being given and it's received with joy, but there's no root that goes down. Jesus is a quick fix. Jesus, no, that's not working. Food, maybe that will work. Or, you know, whatever our other gods are out there, Jesus becomes one of those quick fixes. But difficulties come in and, and all of a sudden the heart begins to wander away. There's no fruit after a time. The thorny ground listener, those whose lives they hear, they receive, but their life gets entangled in making money and having the best things in life. The word is heard, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things choke God's message and it doesn't bear fruit. There's a positive response, but after time, there is no fruit. Other opportunities are distracting, turning the heart away. They receive your attention. In light of those three soils, this revelation has been given. Seed has been scattered and Jesus is giving a warning. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you're hearing. It's landing on the soil of your heart. Pay attention to it because God is measuring. And from the one who has not, who does not receive, even what he has will be taken away. And further truth is veiled. And little by little, the hardness of heart begins to reject more and more of the focus that God wants to bring with his revelation. I had a student in my office a couple of weeks ago. A student came in my office and said, Dr. Talley, I just, I need help. I'm trying to read God's word and I'm trying to apply it to my life. I want to hear God speak and he's silent God's word is empty. The message lacks any kind of power in my life, any kind of power. And so I wanted, I didn't know this student, wanted to get to know her a little bit better. And I think, I really think the Lord led me to say, well, well tell me about what you did Friday night. And tears began to just flow down her face. I said, tell me about your friends. More tears, mascara everywhere as she began to think about her life, and as we were engaging about her life, what we realized is in all of her life, she was turning away from the Lord. And she was simply trying to say, give me a quick fix, help me out here, but don't ask me to give up all this over here. I'm not ready to do so yet. And I think this is where the warning comes in. If you're not receiving, in other words, if you're going to continue down this path that you are on and live in this way, even what you have will be taken away. This is a warning that Jesus is giving. 
In other words, we are to realize the revelation is there. We must receive this. We must listen carefully. If not, we're putting ourselves in danger. And this student was in danger. In danger. Much danger. Because seed was being scattered. Revelation was being given. And she was having an attitude of, I'll take it if it fits. Now, God in his mercy could still change her heart. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. But the rebellion of her heart, the soil of her heart, as long as it remained, even what she has is going to be taken away. But there's a fourth soil here. And that's that good soil, listener. It grows roots. It remains alive. It bears fruit. In other words, the word is spoken and received and it is clinged to. The mind is set on it. Someone risks faith and walks obediently to what God lays out there. And there's a promise for this kind of listening. Pay attention to what you hear. God is measuring for the one who has, the one who receives more will be given. And that's a promise to us. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you're clinging, you're holding on to it, and God does seem a little silent. He does seem a little absent from you. You just keep on clinging and holding on to What's the promise? More will be given to you. Maybe you're walking by faith, and yet you watch the wicked seem to be prospering, and you walk by faith, and your life may be falling apart. You're receiving God's word. You're living in obedience, and nothing seems to be working out for you. There's a promise here for you. You keep on keeping on, and more will be added to you. Further truth will be revealed. And all of this, all that is revealed to us, is the glory is to be given to the Lord for that. There, there's one small point here that I think we have to pull out back in verse 11. In other words, if, if the word of God is being planted in your heart and it's bearing fruit, that's wonderful. Praise be to the Lord. You want to know why? Because in verse 11 it says, to you has been given. You didn't secure this for yourself. It has been given to you. And so when fruit is being born, we have to recognize glory be to God. Thank you. But that doesn't remove the personal responsibility that this passage is after. The responsibility to, to check the condition of our heart. See, this is a, we have got our personal responsibility, but when we receive, all glory goes to the Lord. It's not us. Well, I'm a good listener. That's why good things are happening in my life and the word is being received. I'm such a good person, good listener, got good ears, got the wax out. Woe to those who don't. No, anything we receive and any more that is being added, we realize, thanks be to the Lord, this has been given to us. This has been given to us. Thank you, Lord. But this, these particular verses here are on that personal responsibility. And so, the first parable, the parable of the lamp, revelation is being given. Thank you, Lord, that revelation is being given. Thank you that it's not hidden under a bushel or in the cellar, that it's on a table. Thank you, Lord, that you don't keep this hidden from us. It's here. We can carry it with us. It's translated into English in multiple versions. We probably have multiple copies. Thank you, Lord. But then we get to the parable of the measure 
with, in light of all this revelation, what is the condition of your heart? And this is where, as we move through the gospel of Mark, we're going to have to stop along the way and ask ourselves honest questions. Notice the Pharisees and the other people, religious people of the day, they missed the point. They didn't get this, and so they turned away. In a gospel-saturated environment like our own, in a Word of God-saturated environment like our own, we must be careful to listen to Jesus' words here. There's a warning and there's a promise. And what are you doing with that warning and that promise? We're going through New City Catechism this year. We're just simply asking people to jump in. Why? Because we want, as the seed is scattered, we want to own that. We want to personalize it. We want to hide it in our heart. When we do, we're doing the fighter verses. Why? Because we want to get that word into our heart. And that's all we're trying to do here. Why do we faithfully preach the word week after week? Because we want to get the word into our heart. The revelation must be responded to. So bow your heads right now. If you would, please. Kenny's going to come. And he's going to lead us in, in a song. But I want us to stop for a moment and just, just be honest. What are we doing with Jesus? What are we doing with God's clear revelation to us? What is the response of our heart? Are we clinging to it? Do we have beaten path, <coughs> soil, rocky soil, thorny soil? Jesus says, pay attention, listen. So ask him right now to make that clear to you. Just pray silently in your heart.